0: Today on the ZabeCast, well, lo and behold, the Hall of Fame speeches ran on time and the monster double ceremony didn't go past midnight either night. Meanwhile, Andy Poland joins me from Vermont to discuss how the sausage is made at the Hall of Fame, plus Josh Allen's new contract and the passing of a legend, Bobby Bowden. All that plus a megaton truth bomb from a doctor to a school board in Indiana. Your 30-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Monday, August 9th, 2021. Thank you for downloading. The great Bobby Bowden has passed away at 91 years old. He was one of the five winningest coaches in college football history, 34 years at Florida State University, and helped transform not just Florida State into a powerhouse, but really made all the other Florida universities step up their game. It's hard to imagine a college football landscape in which Florida was not really relevant. But if you go back to the 50s and the 60s, Go ahead, look around. Texas, Arkansas, Nebraska, Georgia. I mean, obviously it took somebody to go, hey, what are we doing here? We got all this talent. Let's do something with it. Uh, trick plays were a signature of Bounds, as well as his, of course, dad gummet, folksy sort of way. He was the one of the great character coaches. A coach who both was able to dominate in the living room, was able to call up trick plays when needed, handed off a lot of the heavy lifting to his assistants as he got older and older, but was just a quintessential classic college football coach. I often am asked by people, well, sometimes they say, oh, you're in sports radio. And you're like, who's the most interesting person you've interviewed? I We got to talk to Coach Bowden, me and Scott Lynn on – the first team on Fox, as part of a paid deal where we paid the coach. Or we didn't pay, but the the network said they arranged it with his agent. And they're like, you know, once a week we'd like to have you on. And, man, I wouldn't say it was the most interesting guy, but we just enjoyed it the most. We just felt like we were at Uncle Bobby's house, and we were sitting on the front porch on the rocking swing with a lemonade listening to him tell stories. Loved it. And, of course, he produced high-scoring, thrill-a-minute offenses, that also deployed some of his best recruits on defense, which was kind of a new thing at the time. For example, uh, one of the three Hall of Famers that he recruited, Deion Sanders, you might have heard of him, came in as a dual threat. He was a wide receiver as well in high school, which should be no surprise to anybody. And he was like, hmm, should I make him wide out or a DB? He made the right choice. He played him on defense, and the rest is history. His most famous trick play came in 88-88 against Clemson game was tied at 21 a minute 31 left in the game they were at fourth and four at their own 21 fake punt safety Leroy Butler you know him Packer fans carried the ball for 78 yards to set up the winning field goal the play became known as the Puntaruski. not the fumble rooski but the Puntaruski. so 150 of his players went on to be drafted by the NFL three in the pro football hall of fame And that included players like Charlie Ward, says the Washington Post, in their obit, who won the 93 Heisman Trophy, Chris Wankie, who won the Heisman in 2000, and other All-Americans, including lineman Ron Simmons, Walter Jones, Peter Warwick, wideout, linebacker Derek Brooks, and kicker Sebastian Janikowski. Like, did you really have to put that in the obit? Dubbed the king of the living room as one scribe, called Bowden for his ability to win blue chip recruits. He was a Southern Baptist who peppered his speech with dad gum and show enough. He dropped peanuts into his orange soda, chomped on unlit cigars and chewed tobacco long after it became a public taboo. Like I said, he succeeded because he played some of his best guys on defense. Florida State won at least 10 games in an 18 uh, 10 games in a year, eight times under Bowden, including every year from 87 through 2000. I believe they ended the season ranked in the top five, a record number of years as well. But for a while there, he was snake bit when it came to winning a national championship. A number of dramatic wide right kicks that doomed him against Miami uh, came back uh, in the form of a missed kick by Nebraska uh, that helped him win the first national championship in 93. But that was, of course, tainted by a bit, tainted a little bit because of the fact that Notre Dame had beaten them earlier in the year. His best season by far was in 99. The Seminoles beat Miami and the Gators before Besting number two ranked Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl, 46 to 29. I believe that was the game that Michael Vick went crazy in, uh, but it was lost. Florida State was 12 and 0. They became the first team in history to be ranked number one from the start of the preseason through the end of the season. His admirers admirers called him St. Bobby, writes the post OBIT, but Bowden's career was almost was not without controversy. In ninety three, he suspended five players for receiving gifts from agents a scandal that led then-Florida coach Steve Spurrier to call FSU Free Shoes University. Yep, 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 Free Shoes University down there. As a coach, Mr. Bowden was sometimes criticized for being too lax with players who broke team rules or were arrested. He acknowledged the criticism, but he often chose forgiveness over punishment. According to uh, uh, Terry Bowden, Bobby Bowden's son; his father had fallen ill with pancreatic cancer, ninety-one years old. Of course, I read briefly the New York Times headline or the first two graphs of the New York Times story before it put up the paywall thing, saying, ah, "You got to pay us to read this." And of course, I don't pay him because of the shit I saw. It says in the second graph of the New York po- New York Times article. Co. Uh, <laughs> Bowden's health had begun in decline after contracting COVID in October of last year. He was 91. He beat COVID. He had pancreatic cancer. But they just had to mention, you know, he was never quite the same after that COVID bout in October. 91, pancreatic cancer, there's your New York Times for you, and now you know why I wouldn't pay two wet buckets of spit for a subscription to that paper. Here was Tracy Wolfson, the legendary Wolf, with the interview on the field for Bowden's final game.
2: And how memorable of a moment is this for you? Well, it's got to be memorial
0: because it's my last at gun ball game after after 57 years of coaching, and uh, and it's nice to get
2: blown out of the dadgum stadium and what will you remember most about coaching at florida state what will you miss
0: well you'll miss the players you know just like today when i got to the
3: stadium they had a lot of the former players out there uh that's the closest i came to breaking down but thank goodness i ain't broke down yet
2: <laughs> well you'll have one final speech with those players in the locker room yeah. we might see some tears what will you say to them Well,
0: I'll just congratulate them and tell them I hope that this is the beginning of a dynasty back. That's exactly what I'll tell them.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. By the way, that interview feed obviously was some sort of wildcat feed that had interruptions on it. You could hear the truck in the background going, okay, what are we doing here? I don't know why Tracy Wolfson herself posted that sort of, uh, I don't want to call it marred. But it kind of was, the, the 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 raw feed that was all messed up. But still, I I listened to it going, wait a minute, what is that? And I was checking all my browser tabs going, do I have something else up here? Why is it cutting out? Why do I hear tape rewinding? Anyway, thank you, Tracy, for sharing that. By the way, one of the other wonderful things about that interview, and I hope this comes back this year, is that there's Tracy Wolfson right there in tight, literally less than a, a foot away from Bobby Bowden, sharing a mic, In tight, everyone huddled around. Intimate moment, the way it should be. None of this. I'm holding a mic on a pole so you don't get COVID. Let's hope that comes back. Guess who won the Olympics? This country. As I point my thumbs to the back of my USA shirt. USA. USA. Total medals. Us, gold medals, us. Why is this a big deal? Well, it's not a big deal, but I like winning the Olympics more than not winning it. Especially when we get to beat China, who in just about every other area is our daddy. We beat China with a late surge of golds, but this was actually a thing for a few days last week. Dan Wetzel. Columnist, Yahoo Sports headline, sorry, America, China's leading the real Olympic medal count. What, what is wrong with our media? The lead, China, is kicking the United States' tail, at least for now in these Olympics, although you wouldn't know it if you just scanned the medal tables in American media. In an unexplained yet apparently nationally accepted counting method, Americans tally the standings not by what country wins the most golds, but by what country wins the most total medals. NBC, New York Times, Washington Post, alas, even Yahoo Sports, writes Wetzel, this, to be clear, is ridiculous. He goes on to say that China's current tally of 32 golds, 21 silvers, and 16 bronzes at the time he wrote this, 69 total medals, was somehow not as good as the U.S.'s 25 golds, 29 silvers, and 21 bronzes, 75 total. So we had at the time six more total medals, but we had seven fewer golds. And by the way, he calls this China kicking our tail. What is wrong with us people, with our media? Now look, he says he's go. He goes on to say that the official IOC tallies gold over everything else, and that's how the medal standing on the Tokyo 2020 website shows it. Most golds number one. I don't know what is a thing, but here's what I do know: if you're only going to count the nation by nation standings by gold, then why do you list the silver and the bronze? Why even put the silver and the bronze in there? Just get rid of those and go, here's the golds. That's all it is. Just gold medals. That's all that matters. It's so dumb. But it's also in a way disturbing to think that our own media would go out of their way to write columns, bashing the audacity of us to go, well, I'm glad you have more golds, but yeah, we like all medals. We feel like any medal is a good medal. So here's the total metal count. You can sort it out by gold, silver, bronze as you like. And to have Wetzel say that China was kicking our tails. It was a – they had a marginal lead and they lost the lead. So I'm expecting a Dan Wetzel column coming down in three, two, what? what, No? He's, He's not going to apologize? He's not going to go, okay, okay. Of course not. Ridiculous. USA. USA. I enjoyed what little of the Olympics I watched. The ratings were a complete disaster on television, which is to be understood. My question is, after this, can the Olympics get off the mat and become the Olympics again? I would say that is doubtful. The Olympics might be a permanently crippled endeavor and a brand, much like the Oscars are. Will they ever get back to close to what they once were No chance in hell. Can they get back to being something that you go, all right, this is a big deal. Let's go. Let's watch. Let's enjoy. And let's soak it all in. We'll see. All right. Let's track down Andy Poland in the north woods of Vermont. Oh. Andy.
3: Hey there.
0: <laughs> sorry to call so late. It's okay. Yeah. In the deep woods of Vermont, two different houses. I called the other house and yeah. rousted them at nine oh eight PM on a dark Vermont night.
3: <laughs> they were up.
0: <laughs> Good. Well, uh, sorry to keep up you up late, but I just I had to I had to get a hold of you tonight. <laughs> while you're in Maine, did you watch any of the Hall of Fame induction speeches?
3: I watched uh, some of it online. I caught the end of like the wrap up last night uh, when I got home Rich Eisen and uh, whoever else was on Mike Lervin and somebody else uh, right. talking about the speeches yeah but not i didn't I didn 't watch them uh, in their entire some years I have and i've actually done. Uh, three of them on the air, or two of them. Uh, What do you mean done them?
0: Meaning you uh, sort of narrated or jumped in or said, okay, we're going to now go to so-and-so being inducted?
3: Yeah, Doc Walker and I anchored, let's put it this way, Doc Walker and I anchored the coverage. 2008 was the year that Daryl Green and Art Monk went in together, and then 2010 was Russ Grimm. And I was also there in 96- when Joe Gibbs went in, though we didn't do a show that year. So, yeah.
0: Right. Well, here's a here's a clip. Manning was great. Peyton Manning was great, and he should have been the cleanup hitter, not the third guy. I have no idea who thought, let's make Peyton Manning bat third. Next year, accepted speeches will probably shrink to four minutes. And speaking of rivals, my good friend Tom Brady is here tonight. By the time he is inducted, Booing from Steeler fans. By the by the time Tom Brady is inducted in his first year of eligibility in the year 2035, he'll only have time to post his acceptance speech on his Instagram account. <laughs> God damn he is funny. And, and yeah. just like, is there a more iconic modern player than Peyton Manning?
3: No. I mean, he, he's, he's got the whole package. Um, you know, there have been some who have been really good players and can do well on television, like Tony Romo, and he's one of the greatest ever, and he, if he wanted to be, could be the best ever on television. That's yeah. how good he is.
0: Yeah, he really yeah. is. And uh, so I think we, you and I shared a stat via text that apparently the three – longest hall of fame induction speeches were Mm. longer than everyone's speech uh on saturday night where they had 11 guys i believe
3: right right yeah uh the uh, one of them had to be ray lewis who went over 33 minutes but uh, (laughs) yes yeah i i have no idea when it got out of control when these guys were just allowed to (laughs) You know, get up there and and tell their whole life story in detail. Sure. But, uh, yeah, over the years, it, it, it got to be that way. And as I say, you know, I was there in 96 when Joe Gibbs went in. They did it on a Saturday morning on the steps of the Hall of Fame. And as I recall, the speeches, I don't know what the limit was, but I don't remember anybody going over about five or six minutes. Yeah, and somewhere along the way, it just it just lost all control.
0: I mean, everyone understands. Hey, this is my big moment in life. How dare you cut me short? Well, yeah. the answer is because as interesting as you think your speech is, nobody thinks it's more than fifteen minutes interesting at most. Right.
3: Also, what what guys stopped doing was writing speeches, so they would get up there and then just start you know, preach it. And, you know, they, they just and you know, start the fishing for
0: applause lines, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's not really what the intent was.
0: Yeah. And that said, I still remain committed to blowing up the whole process of how they pick guys to make uh, you it know, to the Hall of Fame.
3: There there was a time when I would have argued with you, but what's become apparent, in, in especially in recent years, is these guys who are voting on this have no idea what they're doing because the, a lot of the guys who are the older football writers, they've been flushed out. They don't have jobs anymore. Or if, in the case of like the Washington Post, they don't let their writers do it. They don't right. let their writers get involved in it. So we're left with a bunch of younger people who don't have any understanding. Here, here's something else, too. Drew Pearson got in. Drew Pearson should have gone in 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And what somehow he got lost in the sauce and his name swam to the surface in the last couple of years, although they put him through awful embarrassment last year where they had cameras live in his living room when he thought he was going to get in and he didn't get in. And then and then finally he got in. But, you know, they ought to do this like they rotate cheese in a, in a, in a restaurant. You know, that the cheese that's been in the, in the back for a while needs to be rotated to the front so it can get consideration. How does Drew Pearson get lost for 30 years and then somebody go, oh, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer? You know, why wasn't he considered years ago? Oh, what, now, what happened there?
0: I, I know. And, and then you get guys like uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson saying, we need more Cowboys from my teams in the Hall of Fame, and he starts ticking off, this guy should be in, and this guy should be in. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But every team does that. Every fan base and franchise does that.
3: Right, right. And, and Jimmy Johnson is, is a guy who I think should be in the Hall of Fame. But there are, you know, I think there are others. Tom Flores, why did he, Tom Flores also had two Super Bowls? Why did he have to wait till he was 80 some years old to finally get it? I you know?
0: I agree. So I would do I would do the following four step process. One, kill the entire committee that currently exists with fire. Blow it up. Fire everybody. They're all gone. Step two, form a new committee to select the new voting panel. I would three double the size to about 100 voters And make sure to include coaches, administrators, personnel people, not your typical media celebrities or wannabe celebrities. And the fourth thing would be only four guys per year get in. That's it.
3: Only four. See, I'd go the the exact opposite way on that. I think this year where they get 14 in because of the uh, pandemic last year that knocked it out, I'd... catch up. I do 14 every year and do it just like these did this year. 14 a year
0: until you catch up. And then what?
3: And, and then, you know, some of these guys who've been out there like Joe Jacoby will finally get their chance to get in. It's, it's a backlog. You know, it's not like baseball in that you, you know, you have 25 guys on a team. You have 53 guys on a team and the baseball hall of fame started in 1933. The pro football hall of fame didn't start till 30 years later. So there's, there's there's a lot of catching up to do, and it's, it's, it's really unfair to guys who have had to wait too long to get in.
0: Well, true, but it's like at that point you're going to water it down. There's going to be too it's many guys in the Hall down. of Fame. There's no watering no, it down. See, no, I think – Oh, go ahead.
3: Well, here's, here's what has happened, though. I, I will tell you this. Uh, it's been watered down in this way, and part of it has to do with the NFL Network and, to some degree, ESPN – who have hired all these guys, because, like, for example, when Terrell Davis couldn't play anymore, the story was, well, Terrell Davis was really great for six or seven years, but his career wasn't long enough, so he's not going to get in, and that was pretty much accepted. Terrell Davis gets on the NFL Network, all of a sudden, hey, whoa, why isn't Terrell Davis in the Hall of Fame? So I they quickly get him in the Hall of Fame.
0: I agree. I think that the, to me there's no case for either John Lynch or Isaac Bruce being Hall of Famers. They Absolutely. were nice, consistent players in a television and fantasy football age. Isaac Bruce was not feared. Isaac Bruce had no superpowers. He was a fast receiver with good hands on a team that decided to start revolutionizing the passing game. In the NFL, because really around 2000 was when it exploded, right? The passing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then John Lynch benefits from celebrity privilege. He's on TV. And pretty people privilege. He is exceptionally good-looking, that guy. And well, so, therefore, a, yeah. that, gives, that gives guys like him an edge. And if you're Joe Jacoby, out of sight, out of mind, yep. and not good for TV, they don't care about you.
3: No, they don't. And and that's not the intent of the Hall of Fame. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's uh, it's too bad because I do like the moment football has. I do like the ceremony. I like the speeches as long as we can keep them under 10 minutes apiece. And I love the fact that this weekend went off pretty much as normal. And I'm looking around at all these different cities, Andy, that are holding what amount to knockoff family nights the Packers have done for years. Hell, mm-hmm. the, the wolf did one. We'll talk about that in a second. Yep. There's a lot of people in the stands for practice. For oh, yeah. practice, oh. Andy. And apparently the ratings for the Hall of Fame game, while the game was terrible, up 36% from two years ago, the last time it was played. So for everyone that says well, all sports ratings are down.
3: Mm-mm-mm. yeah yeah no I, I i agree i i don't really watch exhibition football other than the washington team Yeah, and i was only going to invest you know 10 minutes in this uh, hall of fame game <laughs> i wound up watching the the entire first half and and it wasn't like you know i've been wandering in the desert without football because we had football in february with with the super bowl but the exhibition season which we hadn't had in two years it was like hmm restaurant in a while this is a, this is pretty nice here so yeah and and yes the live live sports is great but there's nothing like football nothing yeah. like
0: it so the uh the wolfskins held a they didn't call it family night but it's basically the same thing an organized practice at yeah. fedex field where they've got a new field oh by the way the turf they've invested money and effort into making the field first class And what frustrates the shit out of me, Andy, is that Dan Snyder has no business picking quarterbacks, right? That's how we ended up with Dwayne Haskins. Mm -hmm. But he should have his eye on, are our facilities first rate? And we had the worst field ever for the longest time, and it took Ron Rivera and Jason Wright to finally browbeat him to invest some money in the field.
3: That drives me nuts. They've 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 put in new fields several times during the seasons though. You know, wh- but what their makes patch
0: this fe- jobs. this was a, um, a complete overhaul. Where and, they said and
3: why what? Why is it necessary to have grass? Why 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 are they so hung up on having grass? I don't get
0: that. Well, I mean I think our region would allow it. Philly has real I grass. I guess. But,
3: you know, a, the, grass. I guess but Baltimore has real grass. There's they no try, reason they, we can't they, have it. Pittsburgh. Baltimore went, went to turf for a while and then went back to grass. Pittsburgh so has real that,
0: grass. Yeah. I don't
3: know.
0: <laughs> what do you got but, against real grass?
3: Well, it's just that But once we get to December, it's, it's a disgrace.
0: Well, but there's ways to mitigate against that. Look, here's the thing. Snyder will trade in his yacht for one that's 25 feet bigger and has a better yeah. IMAX, and yet he had to be browbeat by Jason Wright and Ron Rivera. Hey, fix the fucking playing field. That drives yeah, me well, bonkers. He just wants to win. Andy,
3: does he? Did you did you see the valuations of the teams? By the fifth. way, fifth. Okay, yeah, fifth. It, it's four point two million dollars. Billion. Schneider bought billion bought out four point two billion. Excuse me. Snyder bought out his minority partners. They own forty percent of the team. Eight hundred and seventy five million dollars. If you extrapolate that out. That means the team at the time he bought those shares was $2.1 billion. It's now worth twice that much, meaning he purchased at 50% discount.
0: Oh, uh, the, against the 40%. league bylaws, because he didn't have the scratch in his pocket. They loaned him the money. I know. I know. Against yeah. league bylaws. That, that's what blows my mind. Maybe Snyder has pictures
3: of Goodell. Maybe. No, he, he the other owners look at him and they go, "Well, if we kick him out, if he goes, he's going to blow he's okay. going to blow the whistle and he and we oh, don't want So yeah. you
0: think he would go Okay, so they were able to sort of push Jerry Richardson off the plank cuz he was old and they yep. figured he's not going to go nuclear, but better to keep your friends and your enemies close. Don't let Snyder yep. get outside the tent and start pissing on it.
3: Well, you know, they, they saw how Snyder handled the minority partners. Did you read some of the stories about intimidation that he oh, uh, yeah. may have in, engaged in? Oh, yeah, that, that, that's you, what yeah.
0: Danny knows.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's you're not going to pee knows. on Tony Soprano's lawn. It's not going to work too well. For you, oh, you know? Jesus.
0: Yeah, well, anyway, so it's a team with no name right now, no future stadium that's been announced, and no 11-win season in 30 years, and their fifth. In value. I, yeah. I, 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 there's no words. Well, it's, I don't it's, get it. It's, How do they it's, value it's these a, things?
3: <laughs> it's location, and the, the market, it's tradition of the team. The tradition's and, gone, uh, Andy.
0: That went yeah, with the but, name and the logos. Trust me, that's going to go. By the way, did you see the headdress band? Yeah, Yeah. That affects like six people. I think I saw six people total that would wear headdresses.
3: Yeah, well, but it's also interesting that a team that had an unofficial mascot who was African American and wore war paint and a full headdress (laughs) Uh, uh, now bans them from from anybody else. What? So anyway,
0: at the end of the at the end of the practice, uh, Ron Rivera got on the microphone to the some uh, ten thousand fans maybe that were there.
3: Yeah, said, they were predicting more. They said they, they thought there'd be 20,000. That surprised me. It was only 10. Uh, uh. <laughs> Why does it surprise you?
0: We're predicting <clears throat> more. This franchise <clears throat> built on delusion. No, here's the thing. He said, We need you. Yeah. We need you. Such a far cry from the supposed endless waiting lists of the early 2000s we heard about, right? Oh,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the arrogance of, of uh, Bruce Allen. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah
0: so do you think if the team is good, they're going to be able to sell out a game this year
3: uh i think there's there's a chance i don't know how many you know that that stadium is it's like an accordion it uh they can make it bigger or smaller <laughs> depending on on what they need to I don't I do know they can
0: he, make it bigger anymore by the way do you know uh, when, do do you know when the
3: last sellout was? Oh, the, the the you mean the real sellout a or the true, last one they announced?
0: No, a true sellout at FedEx uh, Field. I, I'm going to have to research that. It's been a while.
3: Trying to think, have they ever had a, a game where? No, I mean th- th- there were there were days like in the Zorn year, last Zorn year, where people were coming in with standing room only tickets and being handed club seats. In exchange, just to get some bodies in there. That, so, yeah, that,
0: that is crazy. Uh, did you see Josh Allen's new contract with the Buffalo Bills?
3: Yes, I did, and uh, and yeah, <laughs> I guess you know it just shows you what those guys are worth. It's one hundred and fifty million guaranteed. It's, it's mind-boggling. Though, did did you see what what Tom Brady said about the players?
0: Yeah, he said we need to wake up. That franchise values jumped fifteen percent, even yeah. though there was a pandemic last year.
3: Okay, but I, I would also remind Tom Brady that he hasn't done the Players Association any favors by taking hometown discounts. Oh, I know.
0: Like you know, he's so, the last guy to speak about this. He played right. under market value and refused right. to hold the Patriots' feet to the fire on paying him because he had a supermodel. He has a supermodel wife that doesn't get out of bed for less than fifty
3: grand. Well, none of that. But but see, that's the that's the difference between the Players Association and baseball and the Players Association in football. When Alex Rodriguez wanted to cut his salary to play for the Red Sox, the Players Association said, no, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no. We're,
3: we're, right. we're not going to do that. Exactly. And he wound up with the Yankees, and he made even more money. You can't have your star players doing that. So it's, it's, it's awfully you know two-faced of Tom Brady to say to the players, hey, you're really stupid for taking less money, when he takes less money and he's in a position yeah. to get a lot more.
0: Well, bottom line is quarterbacking is not getting cheaper. And I don't expect it to get cheaper anytime soon anywhere in LA and did you know his reasoning
3: I didn't hear this no
0: (laughs) he said he's afraid he may run into the real killers (laughs) and therefore he doesn't want to risk it he said that with a straight face he said I don't know I could I could sit next down to him in the restaurant. <laughs> That's the ultimate troll job. I can't go to L.A. I might run into the real killers who killed my my ex wife and uh, her okay. friend.
3: All right, let's play this silly game. Let's just say that there are real killers out there. Yeah, you think they'd be living in L.A. now, waiting for O.J. to find them? <laughs> hey,
0: he just said he just said that's the reason he's not going to L.A. Do you see this yeah. story from the Olympics where a German rider, a female, was admonished for punching a horse, kicked yeah, out of yeah. the Olympics, and then a news outlet got chided because they said she gently punched a horse after it balked at jumping. There's no punching of horses in the Olympics. Not cool, no, man. Not cool. But,
3: but there is in Blazing Saddles. Famously, <laughs> exactly. Alex Carris punched a horse. One of the great movie scenes of all time.
0: Knocks, knocks him out cold. And uh, on the asshole meter, can you get a bigger a-hole than the marathoner who purposely knocked over a bunch of bottles of water after he grabbed the last one on one of the late-stage hydration stations.
3: Did you see this? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 should have been a, a <laughs> prompted illegal tripping. Illegal tripping is what that Morhad is.
0: Morhad Amdouni uh, yeah. knocked over a row of, of bottles during the men's marathon. The Frenchman grabbed the last bottle on the table This at the Olympics. Towards the end of the race, the runners behind him were left in no water as they battled toward the end of uh, the event that closed the Olympics. I kind of was like, well, I want to see it. And then, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, total dick move right there!" Like yeah, yeah, you're not right. fooling anybody with that
3: one. That's like bringing in a pizza and spitting on each slice. <laughs> Saying,
0: "Do you guys want some? You can have it." Hand, yeah. This this the Dooney. French athlete, M. Dooney, yep. So, this- by the way, every runner is just gently nipping one bottle out of a row. Just link, link, link. The water station. There's plenty. This of guy them. comes along, just puts his hand down, knocks them oh. all away, and then is dexterous enough to grab the last one it was actually kind (laughs) of slick in his own cheating ass way well maybe
3: he practiced maybe Maybe he did practice
0: so um what's going on in vermont you went kayaking today on the lake
3: i did uh these these are friends that i've known for many many years and they invited me to come back and uh we're spending the week up here i enjoyed very much it's very relaxing they have a boathouse i can sit there and drink a beer and watch the uh watch the sunset it's uh it's very That's nice awesome. i love it
0: and uh yeah. and do you do you read do you fish
3: yeah you- uh, i haven't done a lot of fishing you know jews and fishing we're not <laughs> uh, not, not a lot of fishing but uh, i uh, i do I, I do a lot of some walking and uh, we, we barbecue out uh, most nights and uh, yeah it's, it's lovely it's
0: are they lovely- are they sports fans this uh and this is not family you're with
3: no, no. These are these are friends that I've known for a long time. Where'd you and, meet them? Uh,
0: In DC. Uh, I've known
3: them, yeah, since, since elementary school. You know, and the, and the family. So, and it's, it's a solo nice.
0: trip that Mrs. P is yeah. back home. Okay.
3: Yeah. Well, there were, there were years we brought the whole family with the kids, but the kids are gone now, and okay. so you know, out on their own and doing their own thing. So, yeah, it's good. And their kids are grown, and so you know, we get together and uh, we just enjoy it the just week. Sounds it's
0: nice. incredibly relaxing. Andy.
3: It is. Yeah. Almost it's,
0: like, it's, it's, you know, Thoreau-like, you know, like on on, well, on yeah. Walden Pond kind of thing.
3: I, I don't meditate, but yes, it, it does have uh, some Thoreau-like qualities to it, I would think, yes. All right,
0: I, I want a picture of you sitting out on an Adirondack chair on a dock <laughs> overlooking the lake, looking peaceful and pensive and getting rested and ready. For the upcoming
3: football season, yeah, and uh, and you know, as they get good again, if they stay this way, uh, it's a tougher putt for me because it means more night games. They've got uh, they got several night games this year. Yeah,
0: a- a- if they stay good, did you say if they stay good like this?
3: Well, I mean, did stay, you did you, did you like, say that? Yeah, you know, I guess I did. Those are division champs.
0: They're Come not. On. Here's the thing: they're not good yet. Not they yet, weren't good last year. They well, were lucky. Good the
3: division. Yeah. yeah win the, but hey, how about win the division. that? <laughs> yeah.
0: That's not being good. That's being lucky. No. But hey. Yeah. All right, Andy, thank you for staying up late, brother. I'll talk to you next week. No problem, right, Jack. Talk you to
3: you soon.
0: Right. Listen, don't ask me to box score Andy's relationships and how he takes it. I think it's great. He's got non- Fraternal. Is that the word fraternal? He's got non-familial friends who invite him alone to come up to Vermont for a week to just relax and hang out. That's that's great. That's wonderful. One final item for today. I was sent this YouTube link from a listener in Indiana. It's of a doctor addressing the local school board about COVID-19 and the relentlessly stupid, politically weaponized, and ultimately futile way in which the government and all of its powerful
4: agencies are mishandling it. Sit back and take a listen. Guilty as charged. Um, Dr. Dan Stock, uh, 5777 West of North McCordsville, Indiana. Um, to, to address your comment, gee, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem, and I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful, and we're getting our sources of information from the Anna State Board of Health and the CDC who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation, and everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses. They are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies (laughs) sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, That is why you keep struggling with this is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease. Because they cannot be filtered out and they have animal reservoirs, and this is a very important point, no one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza, the common cold respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes, or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because you're trying to do something which has already been tried and can't be done. Equally important is that vaccination changes none of this, especially with this vaccine. And I would hope this board would start asking itself, before it considers taking the advice of the CDC, the NIH, and the State Board of Health, why we are doing things about this that we didn't do for the common cold, influenza, or respiratory syncytial virus. And then ask yourself, why is a vaccine that is supposedly so effective having a breakout in the middle of the summer when respiratory viral syndromes don't do that? And to help you understand that, you need to know the condition that is called antibody-mediated viral enhancement. That is a condition done when vaccines work wrong, as they did in every coronavirus study done in animals on coronaviruses after the SARS uh, outbreak and done in respiratory syncytial virus, where a vaccine used in a vulnerable individual, done the wrong way which why it cannot be done right for a respiratory virus which has a very low pathogenicity rate causes the immune system to actually fight the virus wrong and let the virus become worse than it would with native infection and that is why you are seeing an outbreak right now and in fact in that flash drive you're going to have coming to you and in the emails with six extra will be a study showing that 75% of people who had COVID-19 positive symptom cases in barnstable massachusetts outbreak were fully vaccinated Therefore, there is no reason for treating any person vaccinated any differently than any person unvaccinated. You should also know that no vaccine, even the ones I support and would give to myself and my children, ever stops infection. In 2014, there was outbreak of mumps in the National Hockey League. The only people who came down the symptoms were the people who were unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status. Boy, that sounds like a great argument for vaccines, but a question that you should ask yourself. Knowing that half of the people who came down with symptomatic disease had no contact with an unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status individual, where did they get the disease? And the answer was from the vaccinated individuals. No vaccine prevents you from getting infection. You get infected. You shed pathogen. This is especially true of viral respiratory pathogens. You just don't get symptomatic from it. So you cannot stop spread. You cannot make these numbers that you've planned on get better by doing any of the things you're doing. Because that is the nature of viral respiratory pathogens. And you can't prevent it with a vaccine because they don't do the very thing you're wanting them to do. And you will be chasing this the remainder of your life until you recognize that the Center for Disease Control and the Indiana State Board of Health are giving you very bad scientific guidance and instead, read the articles that are going to come on the email and are on this flash drive and listen to the people in this audience here tonight who actually have recognized the advice they are getting from the CDC and the NIH is counterfactual. And that's why you're still fighting this with this vaccine that supposedly was going to make all of this go away, but has suddenly managed to make an outbreak of COVID 19 develop in the middle of the summer when vitamin D levels are at their highest. By the way, the other thing that would be necessary any vaccine restriction to be considered is if there were no other treatment available. And I can tell you, having treated over 15 COVID-19 patients, that between active loading with vitamin D, ivermectin, and zinc, that there is not a single person who has come anywhere near the hospital. And we already have studies that show that if you achieve a 25-hydroxyvitamin D level greater than 55, your risk of COVID-19 death will drop down to one-quarter of the population average for the United States. And there are active treatment trials included on that flash drive that show the same is true. So if you were going to discriminate based upon vaccine, you should also discriminate based upon 25-hydroxyvitamin D level, zinc taste test response, and probably previous infections, since there are also studies on that flash drive that show that people who have recovered from COVID-19 infection actually get no benefit from vaccination at all, no reduction in symptoms, no reduction in hospitalization, and suffer two to four times the rate of side effects if they are subsequently vaccinated. Therefore, the policies that you are basing on are totally counterfactual. I don't blame this board for that, because I know you aren't scientists, and you've thought it was reasonable to listen to the CDC, NIH, and the Indiana State Board of Health, but I would encourage that instead you listen to the people out here in this audience and read what's on that data drive. And if anybody here in this board has any questions about anything on that, I will happily come back and sit with you individually if you would like to explain the science behind this. And if you're worried about being sued by somebody because you don't follow the guidance of the CDC and the NIH, I will tell you have a free pro bono expert testimony at your disposal. I will testify in defense of this board, turning down all these recommendations for free at any time in any court. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you.
0: That, my friends, is a COVID truth bomb. Well, why would the CDC not follow their own science? Why would they do things that are counterfactual? Simple. They're a government agency first. They're a political entity. And they always will be. They're like a political army division that operates under the dictates of whatever administration is in the White House. And even when there's a Republican in the White House, it always still sort of marches to a Democrat Party lean because that's how the swamp is. That's how Washington operates. You know this as smart, good-looking listeners of the Zabecast, but some people might still not understand that. If every single thing this doctor, I don't know if everything that this doctor said was 100% true, by the way, and I'm sure it's probably not, or there's room for argument, or there's countervailing points. You can quibble, and you could probably yeah, butt some of his points, but the gist of it is dead on, and that's irrefutable. Virus, gun a virus. And the vaccines ain't going to save us or get us out of this. They're going to help reduce symptoms and outcomes for those who are most vulnerable and who have not yet had natural exposure and overcoming and natural immunity to the virus. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not going to end this. Even the director of the CDC said on Friday, Dr. Walensky, she said, yeah, these vir- these vaccines don't reduce transmission or they don't stop transmission. They might reduce transmission, but they don't stop it. And if you don't believe this, doctor, you can put Iceland on team reality because uh, a huge new out- COVID outbreak has taken place in Iceland that was translated into about 100,000 new U.S. cases a day. And the country's chief epidemiologist now says natural infection is the only way to reach herd immunity. He has since gone back on that, which is a sure sign that he meant it the first time and that people got to him and said, oh, you can't say that. He's now claiming, oh, I I, I wasn't clear in what I was saying. It's like when you get caught telling the truth. Natural infection is the only way to reach herd immunity. Iceland, by the way, is the highest vaccinated rate in the world. They are a sparsely populated island in the middle of the North Atlantic. And oh yeah, they just locked everything down for six weeks. Everything. And we're 18 months into this. Trillions wasted. And by the way, this was the WHO plan before 2020. This was what Boris Johnson and the U.K. were going to do before they changed course. It's what Sweden did, and guess what? They're done. Who else is on Team Reality? Welcome board, Alberta, Canada. They became the Florida of Canada, dropping restrictions and contact tracing in isolation. Said Premier Kenny, quote, we will not eliminate COVID-19, which means we need to learn to live with it. She added, we're not going to take lectures either from the federal health minister. Amen to that. Once again, thank you for downloading and listening. Your loyal ears are what sustain me and this endeavor. Send all your correspondence to zabe at yahoo.com. Rate and review if you get two seconds on iTunes or Google Play. The algorithms, like a stroked kitten, when you do. And if you want to show true loyalty and appreciation to this podcast and all of my contributors... The $5 tip jar once a month will unlock five shows a week, not just four. It can be found at save.com slash premium. And if you buy a whole year at once, you get 12 months for the price of 11. And just remember, as the Black Knight said in Monty Python and the Holy Grail,
3: tis but a flesh wound. You're indeed brave tonight, but the fight is mine. Oh, and enough, eh? Look, you stupid bastard. You've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look, just a flesh wound. <laughs>
1: And put your car on cruise and lay back, because it's summertime.
0: Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah. Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie. I've been working with for years, MyBookie. MyBookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at MyBookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, ALPHA, BRAVO, ECHO. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag.
2: Introducing Venture X, Capital One's new travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet?
3: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.
2: At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt.